0: Hi, folks. I am Alan Waton. This is cutting into the Matrix on the 26th of July, 2013. I always start off the broadcast by advising. New listeners to go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and help yourself to the audios which are there for free download. Lots and lots of audios where I go through the system and the history of the system that we're living in today. Uh, the big foundations formed, uh, private foundations that had very official sounding names actually. Most folk thought they belonged to government like the Royal Institute of International Affairs. Uh, things like that, uh, but it's actually a private organization, made by, and it's comprised by the international moneylenders of their time, and they decided to basically bring in a future society, a world society, a global society, which they would control, and their offspring would to control too, and they also put in the, the private central banking system across the world, still doing it today in the Middle East, and... Um, and they, of course, have it under the Bank for International Settlements, another entity which is theirs as well. It's a strange it's quasi-private organisation along with the, the World Bank. So with the power of money... Uh, they would direct the future of the world. They run uh, global free trade. That was their idea too. And they draft up all the, the treaties that are signed by all countries into the, to the agenda. So help yourself to the website. Remember too, you can get print-ups of the talks I've given from all the sites listed at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And you can also get transcripts in other languages, in English, if you go into AlanWattSentinel.eu and help yourself there. Remember, too, you can help me take along here because I don't bring on advertisers as guests. I don't sell products outside the books and discs that I make myself at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And to order from the U.S., you can still use personal checks, you can still use international postal money orders from the U.S. to Canada, you can send cash, or you could use PayPal. Across the world, you've got Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal. And straight donations are seriously welcome as we go through the planned inflation, which is now called quantitative easing, of course. Sounds better, doesn't it, than inflation? And, of course, inflation itself, as they've said at the Federal Reserve, is to continue for up to 10 years at least. So, so you go up annually a certain percentage, and your dollar becomes worth less and less but it 's not just the u s every other country, and all these free trade agreements are going through the same uh, scenarios of uh, getting less for for the money that you put out there. This purchasing power is declining in other words, and that 's all ma- meant to be this way because eventually we 're all to be amalgamated completely. You see under a global system a structure again run by the Bank for International Settlements, the IMF, and the world Bank so Everything is going according to plan. Before, Britain was totally amalgamated into this EU uh, farce, and it is a farce, believe you me, uh, then, and by lies too and fraud, because the public weren't told it was for complete amalgamation and loss of sovereignty until they had the parliament up and running in Brussels. And uh, it was kept secret from them, and they were told it was just a free trade deal up until then. And nothing was further from the truth because the organizers, again, the private organizations that are all issued of international affairs had set it up uh, back in the 1940, but uh, 48 to set up all the different departments of bureaucrats across the European countries to work on this quietly. And, uh, and free trade was just the start of it. Then the laws had to be amalgamated. Eventually, your country's parliament becomes basically a provincial parliament as, uh, uh, working on behest of the, of the EU parliament, the super parliament. And even eventually, once they have the three trading blocks up, the United Americas, United Europe, and the Far Eastern Rim as well countries, uh, then, of course, you have to be under a super world parliament. That was always the, the goal. And the big boys, as I say, I wrote about this 100 years ago, the boys that were involved in setting it up. So we live intergenerationally through a big world plan. And, uh, and all the fallout of it we're seeing and living through today, even the wars are part of that plan because they've got to standardize the world. Every country has to be on board with a, a strange thing called democracy that's a great uh, panacea. Sounds good. It's kind of Hollywood fiction, basically. And, and also we, we, um, must all have central banks, private central banks under the Bank for International Settlements, too. So those countries that don't quite have them yet are being bombed out of existence. There's other countries yet still to go that, that have refused to join the World Bank. Because once you join the World Bank, you understand you also have to join uh, the EOCD, they call it. And it's it's for overseas development in other countries where you have, you must borrow money uh, from the World Bank and the IMF is is the paymaster. You you go back and you pay those guys the debts and so on that you will uh, accumulate in the the process. So it's a very old system. Most folk don't understand about it it works at all. They really do think they're under sovereign uh, governments. Uh, some more than others in fact, and they don't realise that you're we're all being had. We've all been had for an awful long time. Because the big boys themselves that, that operated the Royal Institute for International Affairs said themselves in their own writings that they would bring in wars, even world wars. Before of course it was even a you know, World War One, they said they'd bring them in to get all the countries on their knees and, and in massive debt. And then they would give up their sovereignty eventually, and this is basically what they've been going after all this time. So at the end of it all, uh, the big stick is the total control of finances across the world, and that's exactly what the World Bank is set up to do, and the BIS, Bank for International Settlements and they decide that the going rates for exchanges and everything else, they tell countries if they're too high, too optimistic on their rate, and they tell them to lower it. And they do lower it to do what they're told. They're all private clubs, remember. But meanwhile, as I say, they always tell you in the countries that they've already consumed that you're now democratic, whatever that means. Uh, It means you get a chance to vote for somebody once every five years or so. And the guys that you vote for, according to their own historian at their, the CFR, uh, Carol Quigley, he said that the delegates and, and the candidates at the top are all hand-picked on all party sides uh, to be members themselves of the CFR. So for a hundred years now you haven't had a member who's not a member of the CFR. Don't care who they are, how much you like them, that's, that's simply how much they've conned you, um, they're all the same. There's not, There hasn't been an exception so there's only one system running the world, uh, one direction, of course. that uh, it has its goals, it has timetables, like a big business plan, and that's how it's managed uh, minutely, very, very carefully. And so we have nothing uh, closely resembling anything called democracy. And democracy itself, by the way, if you go into ancient history, was tried out in, in Greek times. Uh, ancient China tried out socialism, uh, democracy, communism, all these ones in ancient times. And in Plato himself in Greece said, Plato said that democracy always ends up with a big welfare state, and eventually revolution in a form of communism takes over for a while. That's the cycle of it. Uh, Some countries were formed as constitutional republics to stop this from happening, but even the U.S. has already happened. Because President Wilson was the first guy to come out openly uh, to to the public And start saying that we're democratic, we're a a democracy He changed it right there But he was a pawn of course of Colonel Mandel House The guy who actually drafted up the stuff Which the the, the Congress signed to get the the Federal Reserve in So we've been living in a fantasy for an awful long time Most folk live their whole lives Never knowing the truth about anything at all they have lots of conversations and debates and even arguments about the topics that are given to them, uh, which get them nowhere, actually. They're designed that way. But they go to their deaths, even fighting wars for their countries and so on, never really knowing the true purposes of these wars or, and, and who benefits from them, etc. Uh, and, uh, and that's the worst thing of all, is to steal a person's mind, basically, at birth, and then you indoctrinate them. So the worst, worst theft of all, worst crime. Because we've never really know what freedom is, and freedom does not mean you go around and be a nuisance to everybody else, of course. But uh, the, the world we're living in, as I say, is a designed society, planned society, and uh, and they're not far from their goal now of of one system running all the financial money markets of the world and all the countries' budgets of the world too, because eventually. The International Monetary Fund is to start doing the books of every country as they're already doing in the crashed countries of Europe. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix And I've often said that since they started this whole idea in London, England It's the best place to watch uh, what happens Because it's a kind of template for the rest of the world And uh, to follow that is And the creation of the massive welfare state in Britain was part of it too And the mass immigration from the most diverse And the the whole key is diverse cultures Cultures which are in a sense completely alien to say, the English way of life for instance and uh, that was also destroy the existing cultures. Tony Blair's right hand man came out in the media and, and admitted that that he was told to open the floodgates to the, these countries in order to destroy the culture of Britain forever, and so that could never be, uh, it could never be it could never be revitalised again, come back again. Has to be done across the whole planet. And as it also happens too, you get massive propaganda from the top telling you to adapt and accept and adapt and accept and so on. But you understand, the whole idea is to eliminate, uh, especially the, the countries that could give them problems down the road if they still had strong cultures. It's, very, it's a war tactic, it's a very simple war strategy. And... In Britain too, for instance, we get little articles like this one here, which is a bit of a half an article, I'd say, because they omit more than they actually tell you, but it says that the billions of pounds of British aid money is being paid with almost no checks on how it's spent. It says uh, ministers, politicians, and bureaucrats have been urged to do much more to safeguard the 4.9 billion dollars or pounds a year is here given to agencies after hearing that officials make only two visits to inspect countries where the UK does not have its own aid programme. Now they give multi billions out every year, like every country does, under again these special programmes that they created uh, through the United Nations, uh, that all the signatories signed on to them at the end of World War Two. And, uh, and, but they're talking about the actual, uh, straight money. This is handed right to the countries or, or even the UN itself without a check. But since Britain gives 60% of its aids, uh, aid, one of the highest levels through agencies such as the World Bank, again, this private, quasi private organization. The European Union, which is not democratic at all, doesn't even claim to be because their, their, their top honcho that the president of it, uh, said that the age of the national state is over. It's obsolete. Oh, you can go back in the archives at my website, you'll find out all these, these talks I've given over the past when I read off their, 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 their lectures and so on. And it says, on the United Nations who decide how to use the money. It says, The U.S. prefers to have direct control through bilateral agreements of how much money is spent and only gives 26% of its aids aid to multilateral groups. In a highly critical report by the Commons International Development Committee, Members of Parliament said they were shocked that British officials made only two visits to see for themselves how the money was spent. And the chairman Sir Malcolm Bruce said, We accept that country visits are not the the only way of gathering in evidence. For a number of multilateral organisations, the UK has a seat on the board, which obviously provides us with some oversight. Nevertheless, we feel strongly that the team should undertake more visits to countries in which the UK has no bilateral programmes. So here is the Department for International Development. It's a new name for the OECD, used to call it the OECD, but now it's the, it's the DFID. Uh, it's an interesting, every government that signed on to the United Nations, including the US, uh, designates a position uh, in, in their government, uh, appointed position, for a person to run uh, and be in charge of that division for the International Monetary Fund, this private organization. And that same person generally is also in charge of uh, the DFID, the Department of International Development. So this person decides how much money uh, the U.S. is going to give abroad to the, the programs. And then they put it down on the tab, the country, because the, the U.S. borrows the money to give out, so does Britain. Well, borrow money to, to give out, you see. And the IMF are the ones who collect the cash of the taxpayer. It's an amazing program, and people are really oblivious of how it even works. But it said that, um, but members of Parliament said it's misleading uh, because so much aid cash is now spent with organizations whose costs are often at least twice as high. So we don't even know how much money is at all. The report warned cost-cutting at home was creating a perverse incentive for the DFID to allocate more of its money to multilaterals, many of whom uh, administration costs are far higher for the wrong reasons and when on the DFID's allocation of funding should not be guided by the desire to export its administration costs. MPs also voiced surprise that the DFID had continued to fund a series of organisations despite warning two years ago that they offered poor value for money. You, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a red herring, this whole article, in a sense, because your own government's, are handing out money. Not only are governments, by the way, even even in the US, it's, it's the state governments, in Britain, uh, it's regions. And even mayors do it for their own towns and cities. Uh, they're always giving up foreign aid. And the public hear nothing about it. They do it all the time. They've been doing it for years. But anyway, this article goes on to say that um, a major review by the DFID in 2011 found that nine of the organizations it funded, including five run by the United Nations, were performing poorly, but despite this, the DFID had continued to fund four of them. A further nine organizations given the second lowest rating of adequate have had their funding increased by £97 million, equal to to a 12% rise. It's, It's an amazing scam. And the DFID last night defended its approach to funding multilateral organizations, but said the process was kept under constant review. Now, at home, too, you understand your government's also funding, since they signed on to the United Nations, uh, every radical organization within your own country. And to get a grant from the government, all you have to put down on it is that you are a radical organization. If it's for something that already exists, say Happy Families or something like that, uh, you're not going to get a grant anything to do with the destruction of the family or a different type of family like same gender and so on are getting massive grants from your own governments so your own governments are are, are, are undermining uh, what was traditional in your own countries and, and all areas of tradition by the way Anyway, it says the statement says the multilateral aid review process introduced by the government provides a rigorous assessment of the value for money of multilateral agencies and is a model that has been adopted internationally, the United Nations, you see. And once again, you'll find out that the same radical organizations are, are funded overseas by you, the taxpayer. Radical organizations of all kinds. That's democracy in action. See, There's no such thing as democracy. You have you don't even know what's going on most of the time. And your politicians are never going to really tell you. Never really tell you at all. But that's the way it really works. And also, this article, too, is interesting because we've all heard that um, about America being the new Stasi with its incredible uh, NSA spying across the world on its own citizens, too, and the powers of Homeland Security, and so on, and so on, and so on. But people abroad are broadly getting really ticked off with the fact that they're all getting spied on, too. And, mind you, they've been authorized to do it by the United Nations. Understand, the whole idea is to bring us all under one government, eventually. This is the whole idea. But since last weekend, the words United Stasi of America were projected onto the side of the U.S. Embassy in Berlin, alongside the face of Kim.com. It says, police are now investigating whether a crime has been committed. The spying activities of the US government have received massive coverage in recent weeks, largely thanks to the revelations of Snowden, well, if nothing, else he did, did, did bring it up again. As a result, the NSA has been compared to a number of occasions to the Stasi, which was a secret police in the former East Germany. The NSA, however, appears to be carrying out spying on a much grander scale. In an attempt, attempt to draw even more attention to the scandal, last Sunday, German artist Oliver benkowski uh, beamed an image of mega Upload founder, Kim.com onto the walls of the US Embassy in Berlin, accompanied by the words United Stasi of America. The Stasi would have dreamt of being able to do what the Americans are doing, uh Jansky told Reuters. So the Stasi looks like a bunch of Boy Scouts compared to what the NSA is doing. It's a real it's a real deal in terms of a secret service with modern technology at their disposal, and it's far more dangerous. It says, uh, so I defaced the US Embassy in Berlin with a truth projection last night. It's a new, new term, a truth projection. Now, however, police are, are, are investigating whether he can be charged with the crime of slander against the organisations and representatives of a foreign state. But it was done on sovereign territory of the, the embassy, so they can't back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix, talking about the big system. And it truly is a complete system, isn't it? Nothing's missed. Whatever they tell us in the news really has a different spin on, and it's from actually what they're up to. Or it's only a partial truth. M- mostly it's partial truths. Or front truce, I call them. Front truce. So you accept things like this one here. It says, uh, on Monday, David Cameron told his citizens that by the end of the year, broadband subscribers will be required to to go through a compulsory system which will decide what they can and cannot see on the Internet. Starting from from a position of porn is banned. Well, you see, they always use that. Remember, they used that to sell the computer in the first place. Because I think every child knew about porn being on the internet before they knew about but what else was on the internet? Was, they made sure that everyone knew to get things sold out there. That was a selling point. Starting from the position of porn ban, subscribers will have to systematically unblock things they require access to. This, Cameron says, will help prevent the nation's children from gaining, gaining access to corroding influences online. Well, the idea of protecting children is commendable, censorship opponents leveled several criticisms at the scheme Would it work? Would it lead to over-blocking? Would the system be easily circumvented? What about the privacy implications? Just in the last few hours, new information has been emerging Which reveals that the proposals seen so far are actually only the thin end of a worryingly fat edge Now remember that they tried this in Australia, under the same gimmickry and the first uh, site to be taken down, in fact, and more blocked, was a Christian site that was uh, for pro-life. And this is this is what they this is how they do it. You see, the Open Rights Group are reporting that they've had a nice chat with some of the ISPs. that will be expected to introduce Cameron's porn filter. Unsurprisingly, the list of websites and content to be blocked by default will stop at porn. Though RG speculate on categories of content that might be filtered in the future, but for a clearer idea of where we are, we can take a look at the system currently being operated by ISP Talk Talk. The Home Safe system, which was singled out for praise by Cameron earlier this week as leading the way in this field, currently covers several categories as detailed in the image below. And it says, as, we noted, as you noted already, leave the third box ticked and not only will all file sharing sites be wiped out, but torrent freak with them too. Leave the rest of them ticked, uh, it says, um, and it's anyone's guess what else will, will disappear. Just like when many novice or even experienced users install software, the chances of people simply checking through next after next is extremely high. Furthermore, in news that's unlikely to, be to win the PM or talk talk many fans, it's now been revealed by the BBC that HomeSafe is being run by Huawei, a Chinese company founded by a former China People's Liberation Army officer. The UK government already knows about the connection, as an Intelligence and Security Committee report released last month expressed concern over the alleged links between the Huawei and the Chinese state. What's a good communist totalitarian state? You know, it's the... They've got a very cheap workforce there, as it generates suspicion as to whether Huey's instructions are strictly commercial or more political. Whether Huey's linked to the government or not, it says it's hardly encouraging to discover that even when TalkTalk subscribers turn filtering completely off, their traffic is still routed through Huey's system. UK ISPs will be free to use whatever filtering system they like when the time comes, but it's certainly possible that some will choose to use the existing service offered by Huawei in order to thwart their traffic being monitored. Such will still be able to use a VPN, unless circumvention tools are blocked too, as open rights groups suggest. So... This was designed to happen before they gave you the computer because the big boys don't let things happen and a crisis comes along and then they have to deal with it. They plan the future. This guy, it's like you're all on a chessboard and you don't know it. And the chess board is already being played. In fact, the chessboard was played many times before they put it into actual action, real action on all of us. And what they do is they start off with like any war scenario. And they say, if we do this, what will the reactions be? And then they run things through the computers to find out which groups will stand up against this, 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 and this, and this. And they find other things, too, which, where there are no groups to stand up against things. So rather than wait for them to appear, they, now they haven't made a move yet, remember. They decide to, to train uh, leaders to start up groups. So that, And that's how folk really go. They join existing groups. They don't realize most of these groups are already formed by the government boys to make sure they run you around in circles forever. They, run, they plan every possible comeback from any move they make before they make the move, and they debate it all ad nauseum. Believe you me, they miss nothing, and they knew all this stuff before they gave you the internet until they made it pretty well essential for most folk who can't imagine living without it. And then they would eventually start taking it taking it down as far as any kind of freedom goes. So it's all going to plan, you see. So I'll put this up tonight. Remember, Britain is a flagship for the world to copy. And so are the Commonwealth countries, too, because they still are the Commonwealth countries. Also, it said here, it said it'll take time to develop mechanisms of regulatory convergence, especially if they're designed to in- include third parties and become global standards as a think tank. The first round of the transatlantic trade and investment partnership negotiations between the EU and the US. Now, again, whenever you hear the investment partnerships, free trade and so on, that's the Royal Institute for International Affairs private organization that set up this whole world plan 100 years ago. And its, it's, it's uh, foreign bodies are often called Council on Foreign Relations. And they still working at it. And it's so and so here they are, again, at Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership. Now remember, as I said last night, when you join onto these organizations or any of their, their, their deals, uh, you, the, the third world countries that you, you will take in as part of the group, the trading group, um, have special status, they don't have to pay any taxes uh, for, for up to 15 years, I believe it is. And also, the first world countries uh, uh, cannot tax any imports from those countries. But the third world countries can still tax your exports to them uh, so that to keep their, them selling their own, own stuff at home. That's the idea behind it for 15 years. And they can renew that 15 years after the 15 years. Plus you also have to help them build schools uh, and hospitals And and lots and lots of other things too So it says that the first round of the Translate Trade Investment Partnership Negotiations between the EU and the United States took place The week of July the 8th in Washington If concluded successfully, the TTIP would become the world's largest free trade pact Again, go back 100 years and go into the writings of Carl Quigley Who worked as the historian for this group um, the, The personal archivist in fact Uh, to to read that he talked about it back in the 60s. It says, With unprecedented scope and ambition, it has generated great expectations, which will be hard to meet. In reality, it could, however, have a beneficial effect on trade multilateralism, provided that it is a result of an open negotiating process. The size of the transatlantic economy combined with a global context marked by interdependence. Now, interdependence, folks, is a very clever word because it, what it means is, is you have no personal independence anymore. It's not just countries that have to be interdependent. It means, any, well, anything you make country-wise has to have parts and so on taken from other countries. You cannot make them in your own country to, to make the whole the whole complete item. Yeah, you see, this, is, this is how they've worked it out. But also they use that too down to the local level where, where interdependence means you can no, have no personal independence. That's why they want to do away with even gardening in some countries. If you can feed yourself, well hey, you're not interdependent. You must be dependent on the system. But the same in commerce and business and manufacturing. So anyway, if an important spillover on third world countries could also have an impact on trade multilateralism. One of the main priorities of the partnership is to address non-tariff barriers to trade by the harmonization I love this word harmonization, too. It's a lovely word, isn't it? You always think of voices of angels and things like that. But, of course, it's nothing to do with that at all. It's to do with standardization of laws, folks. Your, your own your own national laws have to get changed like all the EU countries have to change all their laws, harmonize them, as they call it, into the new central uh, body that runs all the new super-Soviet. So now it says that the regulatory conversions could enable, could enhance the multilateral trading system as third countries in order to boost their exports with a strong incentive to adopt standards and rules that have the advantage of being recognized by both partners. And a TTIP could serve as a basis to set global standards and regulations could be extended to countries with which the EU or the US has preferential trade agreements or PTAs. Now remember, the main driving body uh, that we know of today Apart from the, the, the CFR, they'll always be behind it all, and the Royal Institute for International Affairs, private body behind it all too, that said it and that dreamed it all up a hundred years ago, is also the G20. And no one, no citizen of any country had any vote on the creation of the G20. What it is, is a group now, basically a private group if you like, of your presidents and prime ministers that formed a club for themselves, because they were told to by their bosses at the CFR. And then, uh, they would, they would simply make massive agreements, just on the spot, all drafted up over years by the Sherpas who do all the work, the bureaucrats who trot around the planet, and iron out all the difficulties. But the G20 gets together, has a great feast and a great party time, and they just sign all the agreements that have been made by the Sherpas. That's how the world really works, folks. And they have written about this before, in the past. So, says European Trade Commissioner Carol de Goetz, uh, Declaration that the TATIP could have a great opportunity to reinforce world trade organization makes sense as the WTO rules governs 85% of the world trade. Now again, the WTO was created by the Royal Chief for International Affairs, the private organization. What a power. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix, and on to this article too, which is interesting because GlaxoSmithKline is one huge corporation to do with drugs and pharmacies and so on, pharmaceuticals across the world. But they do business the old-fashioned way. They 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 bring it. You know, they they pay off people in other countries to allow their stuff in to the, the countries, or they even hire prostitutes as well. It came out earlier in the month, of course, that the Chinese had complained that GlaxoSmithKline had been given free holidays and lots of other perks to, through travel agencies, by the way, across China to, to people there to sell the drugs there. But you see, Chinese police now allege that GlaxoSmithKline's sales reps trained to offer uh, to offer sef- sexual bribes. They trained to offer. It so said nothing's low enough in business anymore and these big uh, companies are laws unto themselves generally. So the Chinese, the recent details of GlaxoSmithKline's like, so alleged crimes in China claim that sales reps were given clear directives to offer bribes to doctors and were trained to cater to their pleasures, it says. And it says they established good personal relationships with doctors by catering to their pleasures or offering them money in order to make them prescribe more drugs china 's official news wire Xinhua uh, reported Friday uh, citing police investigations in Xinhua quoted a thirty five year old female medical representative in quotation marks who reportedly worked for a-, a Gsk regional sales manager named only as mr. Lai The woman named, ad- named as Mrs. Wang said executives gave clear directives to the sales department to offer bribes to doctors with money or opportunities to attend academic conferences and of course, these are worldwide. And it says, Mr. Wang said she'd even, Ms. Wang said she'd even go as far as, as fulfilling some doctor's sexual desires in order to meet their needs and persuade them to prescribe more drugs. A doctor from a reputable hospital whose real name was not given claimed that one GSK rep had blatantly offered kickbacks to the doctors. So it says, for example, 20, 20 yuan, which is £2.11 uh, per week. For, for, for sorry, for, for each pack of uh, serotid an anti-asthma treating inhaler, and 10 yuan one pound, pound five for each dose of Flixotide, an asthma treating spray, uh, it says the doctor appeared reluctant to accept. Cash GSK salespeople would offer them gifts, free travel after meetings, and lecture fees. In fact, many doctors received lecture fees even when the lectures did not exist. Uh, the state news-run agency claimed that a cut-off between the 7 and 10% of prescribed drugs went directly into doctors' personal accounts. A spokesman for GSK said, As we previously said, we're deeply concerned by allegations of fraudulent behaviour and ethical misconduct by individuals in our China business. Then they go on their usual pablum, they've got zero tolerance, etc., and the behaviour is a clear breach, blah, 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 of their, their rules and standards, you know. And uh, so on Wednesday, the company's chief executive, Sir Andrew Whitty, conceded that senior figures in GSK's China business might have been engaged in inappropriate and illegal behaviour. It was all their fault, the reps in China, you see, in other words. The scandal erupted in early July when police officials said that during a six-month investigation, they turned up evidence that GlaxoSmithKline had behaved like a criminal godfather. Well, that's exactly how they do it. But everything's the same now, isn't it? I mean, you, you remember the, the, the Strauss-Kahn affair at the IMF and, and on the massive orgies that they had laid on from everywhere? That's just part of it. That goes on the tab, you know. That goes on the tab. That's everyday behaviour amongst these kind of characters at the top. They don't live like you and I. They don't even bother reading newspapers to get the pablum that we get. They know it's all rubbish. But they, they go ahead and, and they're untouchable. And that's how they behave as untouchables. And with the cash that they have and the power they wield and the politicians they put in across the world through financing them for them to run into politics, uh, they got all down pat. That's only one big company. Every big company is exactly the same, folks. They're all exactly the same. That's the real world. They they live above the clouds, above all the, the perceptions that we're given down below. And speaking of the clouds, too, the Pentagon's now to deploy huge blimps over Washington, D.C., so they can get 360-degree de- surveillance. A pair of high-tech Army blimps is coming to the greater Washington, D.C. area, and soon they'll be able to provide the military with surveillance powers that spans hundreds of millions of acres north, of from North Carolina to Niagara Falls, Canada. These ships are part of Raytheon's Joint Land Attack Cruise Missile Defense Elevated Netted Sensor System, (laughs) or JILENS. And and when all all is said and done, they'll offer the U.S. military what the defense contractor calls an affordable elevated persistent over-the-horizon sensor system that relies on a powerful integrated radar system to detect, track, and target a variety of threats, it says. I think I think just calling it all that, all these words, there is a threat in itself, isn't it? Raytheon has just wrapped up a six-week testing period in the, in the state of Utah, and is now sending Giles' fleet to the Aberdeen proving grounds in Maryland. Once there, the army intends to get some hands-on experience. They'll eventually culminate in launching the pair of airships over Washington D.C. Once above the nation's capital, Giles will allow the Academy to see for 320 miles in any direction from 10,000 feet above the earth. Can be set to operate on its own for an entire month without requiring refueling, refueling and offers the Pentagon surveillance uh, capabilities that dwarf other options at a penny of the cost. Well, that's a, a play down the cost of it, which is massive, of course. So this is what you pay for uh, Toys for the boys But for the military industrial complex Because uh, it's a huge complex And you find the same guys Who are involved in the top Military industrial complexes By the way are are, are The top companies Are also under the big big banks Who own them all The same list of usual suspects Own the the biggest uh, Military industrial complex Organizations on the planet They really do When you dig into it Really a handful of people Run the world's and they have the, the majority shares, including the secret shares. You know, these big, big companies have secret shares that are not put on the market for anyone else to buy. That's the world we live in. It's all a joke, folks. And getting back to other, the system that's come, coming here now, I and mean, the EU, I have mentioned many times, the European Union, is the new super-Soviet, and even dissenters from the old Soviet Union called it that too, They to say there's no doubt about it. It's not democratic at all. It doesn't even pretend to be. And... Uh, the politicians have no voting rights at all, so why have them? What well, state do you totally make you believe it's some kind of democracy? That's all. But it says, urgent action. It says, forced psychiatric treatment for an activist, Reza Radchenko. A 70-year-old human rights activist in Ukraine has been detained in a psychiatric hospital against her will, apparently in retaliation for her activism. Now, that was a standard Soviet system. And you understand, too, a lot of the old bosses that ran in the Politburos in those countries are still there. And they changed their names to things like or Christian Democrats or whatever was handy. But they still the same bunch running it using the same tactics. So Reza Radchenko is a member of several local citizens' associations in Ziz- Zizia, Ukraine and has actively campaigned against local corruption and police abuse supporting local people who've attempted to claim their rights. And early June she visited the capital Kiev to present petitions on behalf of the residents of, of our area to the prosecutor general's office and the presidential administration. She previously also organized a petition asking for the resignation of the mayor of this particular area, Zappo Rizia. his name is. And it says, um, the daughter of Reza Rajenko uh, reported that on 10th of July, two police officers and a psychiatrist came to their home and informed Reza that there had been a court decision stating that she should be subjected to an inpatient psychiatric examination. She has no history of mental illness. Ruchenko refused and to open the door because they were unable to produce any documents confirming the court decision. On July 11, she went with her daughter and five-year-old grandson to Lenin District Court for more information. According to Darya Ruchenko, as many as 30 police officers immediately detained her mother and restrained all three. Darya Rajenko sustained bruising the arm. The following day, Darnia Rajenko met the head doctor at the regional psychiatric hospital and was informed a court decision had been taken based on the testimony of two cleaners working in Reza Rajenko's block who reported antisocial behaviour. Well, that's what they do. They pay them off. And you, you've got lots of folk who are willing to turn everybody in, believe you me, because that's how the whole Soviet system worked. It's still alive in operation today. So is all the old Soviet bloc countries. It says, only subsequently did Darnia Rajenko see a copy of the court decision ordering an inpatient psychiatric evaluation. Now, remember, they used psychiatry heavily in the Soviet Union. In fact, if you complained about the policy of communism, you, had, you, were, you were declared to be obviously mentally ill because there was no better system in the world, so you were locked up for life in a, in a mental hospital and drugged. If you would not be... Your, your, your opinions couldn't be bent to the, to the in-vogue uh, opinion... They said you had inflexibility of opinion That was a mental illness And the thing is still going ahead today I mean, they use the same thing in different countries too Not necessarily ex-Soviet There's many ways to set you up, folks And believe you, psychiatry, this farce of psychiatry This is to get another big, big drug pusher for Big Pharma As uh, is, is well ahead of the game They'll do it too, for sure No doubt about it And that's the farce for today. But anyway, from Hamish Mussel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you.